good morning, everyone. It is great to be here with you today. I want to say this, and I feel this. I believe this in my heart and my spirit that God is in the house, that God is building his house, and together we are God's house. We are in a series here right now in the month of February called Found Family. We believe that God's design and desire for the church is that we would be family together, that we would walk together as family, that we would grow together. Now, I know I'm wearing my jersey today. I'm in a little bit of mourning here. Uh, My team is not in the Super Bowl. Do we have any 49er fans in the place? Oh, that's what I thought. How many people are voting for the Kansas City Chiefs? How many people are voting for Taylor Swift? Oh, no, hey. Sorry. I might have lost a few people here. Anyways, uh, anyways, neither one of those are my teams. I'm actually a Seattle Seahawks fan, and, and we've had a rough year. We didn't make the playoffs. And this is actually my very favorite team. Uh, I love college football. I'm an Oregon Ducks fan to the, the hilt, and they are going to be the best next year. I'm just, you just watch for it, wait for it. Here we go. But I'm actually today looking forward as we, uh, today, of spending some time with our volunteers and those looking to volunteer at Team Train after the service. We've got food for you, so please join us if you're interested in being a part of that. Um, But today, I want to start, I want to continue our series called Found Family with the message. Here's the title of my message today. It's always been family. It's always been family. Now, for those of you that maybe know me a little bit deeper, uh, I, uh, I love science. In fact, if I was not a pastor, I would have been a science teacher and a coach. Those are my two passions besides Jesus. Basketball or baseball, probably to my sports. Now, I got to share this story about uh, when I was in high school, I had the oldest biology teacher. Now, there's nothing wrong with being older. But he must have been in his 80s, and he was a great guy, but he had a hard time keeping up with me and my precocious friends. I remember during our grade 10 biology class that we were studying genetics, and he thought it would be a great idea to bring live fruit flies and a bottle of ether into the classroom. Now, for those of you maybe who don't know, ether is one of the oldest drugs used for general anesthesia incredibly effective on humans as well. In fact, my parents and my grandparents would tell me how awful it was because it it was what they used and they had their tonsils out and usually made people kind of very nauseous after they woke up. But what could go wrong with a combination of living fruit flies, sleeping vapors, and a bunch of free-spirited teenagers? Well, after putting the fruit flies to sleep with the ether... My team and I thought it would be a great idea to randomly throw the fruit flies throughout the lab. Of course, our malfeasance was not discovered until the next class arrived, and they were swarmed by these little red-eyed and white-eyed beauties. Now, I said this, I love science. I really do. And because I was curious growing up, I always had so many questions. Where did life come from? How did everything begin? 
And I remember using a microscope for the first time when I was in elementary school, looking at a single drop of water from a mud puddle and being completely amazed at the, the, the multitude of, of organisms that filled the lens. It was a, a full ecosystem that was teeming with life. And because of the incredible detail, it began to challenge me on some of the things that I'd maybe been taught or I'd thought about. And I found it hard to believe that somehow life just came from a pile of slime or we somehow evolved from a simple self. Not only did the complexity of the organisms lead me to think differently, but the law of entropy was to the direct opposite to the theory of evolution. And laws are typically, in my mind, greater than theories. Things left to themselves, this is the law of entropy, go from a state of disorder over time, not the opposite. You know, I've never seen my kids' rooms clean themselves. I've waited for it, I've hoped for it, I've believed for it, but the opposite is true without dad vine or mom vine intervention, it just doesn't happen. Now, my conclusion is that everything began with intelligent design. Everything related to this earth and all that is in it was created by God, which I discovered as I got older and became a believer. You see, it was created with purpose. You see, this goes from the universe we live in to the, the dirt that we walk on and everything in between. All of it had a beginning and it was created by God, our Father. And you and I were created in the image of God with the most sophisticated and intricate detail. You see, the reason I'm sharing this is for us to understand that beginnings are important. The way things start, the way things begin, if you understand the beginning or the origin of something, you can see the purpose and function of the object. And if you know the creator, you'll be able to understand the intention for which it was designed. So what does this have to do with family? Well, if you believe like I do that God created man, then we should go to the creation of the first man to see what his intentions have always been. Do you think that's not a good idea? So in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, it says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And verse 28 says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. You see, we were designed by the ultimate originator and the heavenly creator for four specific purposes. You need to understand this. This is important. First of all, I'm going to give you some R's. I love alliteration. It's one of my things. First one is reflection. What does that mean? We are meant to be a reflection of God in his character and his nature. God has called us to, to model him, to be like him in his love, his long-suffering, his patience, his kindness towards others. We're to be a reflection of his character. Secondly, he created us to take responsibility. Did you know that it is our responsibility as followers of Jesus to govern the earth, that we were created to rule and reign over the earth. Did you not see that? He said, to govern over everything. Thirdly, 
We were created for reproduction, that we were to reproduce children, but not just physical children that look like us, but God said, I want you to reproduce spiritual children, people that look like me, that we're supposed to see many people come to the knowledge of who Jesus is. And then the last thing, and this is what we're going to focus on for the most part today, was relationship. You see, God created you and I, first of all, to have relationship with him, but secondly, that we would have relationship with one another, that we would be family. You see, it has always been about family. You see, from the beginning, we were designed to live in family. God started with a family, Adam and Eve in the garden, and continued to relate to mankind through family. If you read through the Bible, he talks to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, and his promises go from one family to the next. From a family, he birthed a nation, Israel, to show his intention to redeem all of humanity, a bigger family. But because of the brokenness of man due to sin, he sacrificed his family, Jesus, his one and only son, so that we could become family again and the church, the church that the world would know him and become like him. You see, the purpose of the church then, I believe, is to be to return to the design that God created us for. Number one, that we would be, have, reflect him, to grow in the character and nature of God. Did you know that one of the reasons that we come together is that so we can learn more about Jesus, so we can become more like Jesus? Can I hear an amen? amen. Secondly, it was that we would take responsibility, the ability to rule over our lives so that we can rule over the earth, that we are to be leaders and take leadership in the world around us. Who here knows that we need people that have the character of God and the heart of God to be leaders in our society? Now, in the original, I said reproduction. The, the R for us now as the church today is called redemption. God has forgiven us and restored us so that we can help others and find forgiveness and restoration. Why? So that they can become part of the family of God. And then God designed us to have relationship. The church is to have relationship, as I said, first with him, but secondly with one another. Why is to bring people together in committed family relationships. Why? So that we can grow and mature, develop our giftings, and to serve one another. You see, the community is very, very important to God. In fact, if you, uh, I want to share this today, that, that God looks at people through the lens of community. You see, in North America, we tend to contextualize the Bible through the lens of the individual. What is God speaking to me? What is God trying to do in my life? How does, how does what, what about me, me, my family? You see, we've been trained from a very young age that it's about me. I as the individual, I'm the ruler of my own life. And to a certain level, yes, we are. We're responsible for ourselves. You see, when we read scriptures and we, we look, tend to look at them as a personal ladder, to us or just other individuals, but that's not the whole story. You see, I will say this, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That is personal. Jesus shows us how important we are as individuals and that he has a plan for our lives. That is true. That is personal. However, the purposes he designed for us to be completed through us require us to become integrated with other people. 
You see, you can't just, you cannot totally fulfill the purposes of God and serve God in your life all by yourself. Because then you would impact nobody. <laughs> you see, God has called us to come together and our faith journey includes living, includes living with, learning with, loving, forgiving, and committing to other people. You see, when we walk together with other people that have challenges and difficulties like we do that are imperfect, that struggle with things, as we walk with them and we walk together, we begin to, as the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. And we become more like Jesus. You see, when you read the Bible, and I want to challenge you to do this through the lens of community, it brings greater understanding to many scriptures. Why was breaking the Sabbath such a big deal? Taking communion improperly. The Bible even talks about servants and slaves. Why would it talk about that? Because it was talking about how the community related to one another. You see, as you read the New Testament, you see the measure of growth and spiritual maturity is measured not only in how you relate to God, but how we walk with, each, with other believers. And how I live my life both influences and is, is influenced by my relationship with other believers. You see, it has always been family. And the difference between the church today and what, how God initially designed everything, how God intended it with Adam and Eve, and I, I hate to say this, was that they, they got to start in a perfect environment that didn't have sin or any of those difficulties. But now we, because of their foolishness, we've all paid a steep price. And not only do we have physical death that one day we will most likely encounter, but we now face hurt and suffering and evil conspiring against us because of a broken world. And I want to say why the church is important and why family is important. Because the, the broken world has created broken people who have broken relationships, which has led to broken families. I'm a young man who grew up, I know the pain of Divorce. I know the pain of many different things that have gone in into families that have broken apart and disintegrated. And so Jesus was, so God in heaven had a plan. And his plan was this. He knew that these things would happen because of what happened with Adam and Eve, because of the fall of man. And he said, look, I have called people to become family, to become the church. You see, the church was not only for the restoration of individuals, but to restore family and to bring people into family. So as I stated earlier, beginnings are important. So let's look at the birth or the beginning of the church. We're going to start here. Today's going to be a, a bit of foundation. You see, the first church was birthed approximately... Seven days after Jesus ascended into heaven, 50 days after the Passover where he was crucified, and then three days later he rose again, and then he spent some time on the earth, and then Pentecost happened, the Holy Spirit descended. And as the disciples and other believers were filled with the Holy Spirit, the apostle Peter preached an anointed message 
where over 3,000 people responded to the call for salvation. Listen to what it says, starting in Acts chapter 2, verse 40. It says this, Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. I wonder how long he preached. I wonder how long the first sermon was. And he's strongly urging all of his listeners, he said, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And those who believe what Peter said were baptized, which is going to happen next Sunday. I'm excited for this baptism. If you haven't been baptized yet, I want to encourage you to, to, to put, plan on coming and being a part of that. Let us know that you want to do this. What is it? It's a declaration that Jesus is who is the Lord of your life, that you're not ashamed of who he is. So it says that 3,000 people were added to the church that day. And it says all the believers in verse 42 devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And here's what happened. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need and they worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That was the birth of the church. We see that Peter preached this message. People got saved. And it was like, what, what, what do we do now? Because you have to understand that as the, the people that were there, when the Holy Spirit convicted them through Peter's message, the, the, these people came from different nations. It was in Jerusalem, different cultural backgrounds, economic statuses, religious beliefs. They came to Christ, and there was a need for a new community. Why? Because of their newfound relationships, we have to understand this, with Jesus, most of them could no longer fit in their previous community with its ungodly beliefs and values, separating them from their culture. Listen to this. Their friends and in many cases, their families. Everything in their lives changed because of Jesus. Can I say this today? That as we make Jesus the center of our lives, everything in our lives should change. That he's come to change us, to become more like him. He's not something we just add to our lives, but he's to be the center of our life. And so this displaced mishmash of people became family. As Paul stated, and this was in reference to what was happening, he said in Ephesians 2.19, he says, so now you, are gent you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Family. According to Charisma magazine, the article an article I read makes this statement about the early church. It says this, there was no distinction between their theology and their practice. Their conduct, their life was living out the gospel. To live their life, they understood the need for deep relationship with other believers. It is because it's always what been family. Why has it always been family? We have to understand when 
the early church was birthed, it was birthed in a hostile environment. Some of us today can, can feel that there's more persecution, more difficulties for serving God. It's not popular to tell people that you are a believer in Jesus. I've even looked at charts that the, the government is putting out that somehow uh, on, on a scale of, of who you are as a person, that if you, are, if you believe in traditional values, if you believe in gospel values, they'll put you on a thing. You're right next to extremists. I guess we're all extremists now. I don't know. You see, Jesus' followers, we have to understand, were not welcomed by the Jewish community. They were known as followers of the way, as Christians were first called while they were being hunted down and persecuted by the zealots, which Paul originally was, right? He was hunting down Christians. Now, they were initially tolerated by their Roman oppressors, but quickly became enemies of the state because of their allegiance to a new king, King Jesus. You see, it was considered high treason in the Roman Empire to declare anyone but Jesus or Caesar as Lord. Every resident of the Roman Empire would may have to pay a yearly tax at the local magistrate. And part of the procedure as they paid their tax was that they must declare their allegiance to Caesar. Christians refused, making them enemies of the states in many regions. The Romans also observed that Christians now, as they were beginning to be called, had strange greetings and practices. I kind of made a joke about this last week, but here's the truth. Referring to one another as brother and sister was odd, especially when some of them married each other. The Romans are like, this is weird. And then the practice of communion, where they'd eat the body and drink the blood of a man named Jesus. You gotta understand, they don't know all of the... What type of vile, barbaric belief system was this? You see, Christians became referred to by the Romans as incestuous, atheistic cannibals. And for that, they were worthy of being ostracized and or removed from society. But you know what caused the greatest rift? What actually caused them to be hunted down? What caused Christians to eventually be put in the arena with the gladiators and the lions and all of those things? What caused the greatest fear in the Romans was not because of what they did wrong, but for how they cared for each other, how they cared for orphans, widows, the sick, and the needy. You see, welfare or caring for others was not a Roman practice. And because of the way Christians loved everyone, people were compelled to follow these new beliefs, which is a threat to the power and control of the Romans. You see, because Christians came together in love, the government feared they would lose control of their citizens, so they eventually had to be removed. Kind of an ominous feeling in today's places sometimes. You see, it has always been family. So the question was, how did these people survive the growing hostility around them, if I can just talk today? 
I want to quickly, as we close, share four quick things that they did in Acts chapter 2. First of all, they shared together. They shared everything together. Kids are amazing, aren't they, with their cuteness and their ability to learn new words and actions along with their incredible imaginations. I'm always fascinated when I see kids and the way they process the environment. They're awesome. They are truly wonderful until a brother or sister or even another child grabs one of their toys. It's game on. <laughs> See, for most, it is guaranteed to generate some fireworks as, as learning to share is something that we grow into, learning to be a part of other people and, and allowing them to be part with you. Sharing is something that it, it takes some time to learn. And the Bible says this about the early church, that they shared everything they owned. They shared meals together. They shared their possessions with one another. They shared everything they had as was needed because they weren't worried about what other people would do because that was part of the church family. You see, because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they did not take advantage of each other as they watched out for one another. They cared about one another. And the Bible says because there was such a sense of unity that people were being added to their numbers every day. Here's the second thing they did together. They learned together. The Bible says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Because they were mostly baby Christians, they all were, they spent their time learning together about Jesus from the apostles. Now, we have to understand there weren't really any manuscripts that were written at the time. All of that stuff was, was in the process of being developed. So how did they know? They had to come together. They, they, they had people teach them, and they talked about things, and they had discussions. I'm sure there were discussions, even questions and testimonies as they learned to live together. They, the Bible says that they also would go to the temple. Well, why would they go to the temple if they weren't really welcome there? Well, because we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. They wanted to learn more about their beliefs, and then they would filter it through the gospel. But not only did they go to the temple to learn, I believe they went there to share their faith with those who they were trying to include in their family. They learned together. Here's the third thing they did. They prayed together. Last week I shared that we, what the things that we learn are more caught than taught. Because Jesus modeled prayer while on earth, it was part of, would be part of the fellowship of the early church. It was, it was a common practice in the Jewish community to join together as well in the temple or synagogue for an hour of prayer every day. Not only did they have personal prayer and devotion to the Lord, they would have learned to pray together. I really believe in personal prayer and community prayer or corporate prayer. A lot of times I have people tell me, Pastor Todd, I really don't know how to pray or I'm not comfortable praying. Can, can I tell you one of the greatest ways that you can learn to pray and become more comfortable praying? Be with people that know how to pray. Spend time with those that have a strong prayer life. Spend time praying with them. I know it can be challenging. Nobody wants to sound like a bumbling idiot. I get it. But you know what real prayer is? It's not how eloquent you are. It's not how awesome your words are. It's, it's sharing your heart to the, to the Lord. It's communicating to God. 
And then it's learning how to listen to God. You see, a good conversation doesn't mean one person talks all the time. It's learning how to listen. Where do they do it? We learn to do that together. I am a big proponent of prayer. I have a dream. I have a dream to see this whole sanctuary filled with people that are coming to pray together. Because I believe this prayer changes things. Prayer changes everything. Here's the last thing. They met together. While they could, I believe they met in the temple each day to to continue to learn and to to come together, to to be able to uh, spend time with other people, but also people that weren't yet members of the faith. And they would ask questions and share their faith. They also, the Bible says, met in homes together to share communion and eat meals together. I love the fact that homes here is plural. Really, the, one of the keys of what we want to talk about in found family that I think is missing or has become a kind of a people can take it or leave it part of church life is the whole idea of small groups. The whole idea of that fact that, that church really is so much more than just one gathering that we have on Sunday. You see, when I, when I look at what the early church was, it was people's whose lives were intertwined with each other. They did life together. They did everything together. And what happened? They grew. They became more mature. And a small group of people began to multiply because of their love for each other, because of their love for Jesus. You see, the Bible says that they're the church began to spread like wildfire. I, there's another scripture, and I didn't put it in my notes. This is coming to me by the Holy Spirit, how they turn the world upside down. You see, the early church didn't worry about attendance because they didn't go to church. They were the church. Their lives were immersed together as they grew together. You see, I believe that one of the changes and the shifts that God wants to do in each of us, those who have a willing heart, is he wants to begin to reshift us back to his original attention. Why? Because I say this again, it has always been about family. It's about family. And God wants us to become his family in a deeper way. You see, church is not something we do but it should be something we are. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his people. We are a family. We walk together. We work together. We encourage each other. We challenge each other. We walk together. And can I tell you something about this? It's going to be sloppy. It's messy. It's crazy. But that's what family is. And I believe it's time for many of us to change, have a change of mind of the view of what the church is. It's time for us to grow in genuine connection with others. It's time for us to grow as a family. And you're going to probably hear about it. Some of you might get tired of it, 
but I'm going to keep encouraging and encouraging because I believe in it. I believe that every person should find a group of people, a small group of people that you can join together with in your life that will encourage you in your faith. It's hard to build genuine connection with people in big gatherings. And so one of the things that we're going to do, I'm going to let you know in two weeks, we're actually going to, as part of our service together, we're going to break up right at the end of it into different groups. And we're just going to begin to maybe learn a couple things, a few things about some of the people that we sit with every day or every week, sorry. We won't force people to stay, but it will give an opportunity for people to join with people. You see, that's what I mean by found family. The church has always been family. Psalm 68, verse 6, our key verse says, God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. But he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. I believe this, that there are many people here today that are looking for a fit. And some of you have found that, and I praise God for it. I love when I see after the service is over the amount of people that just, they hang out with each other. They talk with each other. I hear you making plans together. I think that is a spectacular, awesome, and wonderful thing, and I'm gonna keep cheering that on. But I believe there are some people that maybe haven't found that, and I'm believing by God's grace that there's gonna be more opportunities for you to find your fit so that you can grow, so that you can become more like Jesus, so that you can become stronger in your faith. You see, it's about becoming family together. And maybe you're here today and you're just feeling a bit of isolation. Can I tell you this? Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. I've talked a lot about him. You see, Jesus came to earth to bring us into family. But the way to come into family is through him, through, through surrendering our life to him. And maybe today you are in that place where you're like, Jesus, I would like more of you. You see, here's how we're going to close this time. And I, we're just going to go for it. Could you all just stand up for just a moment? I want to pray. But I want to do something that we haven't done in a long time. <laughs> Something that, that, that I believe is going to break down some barriers here. I'm going to ask us as I pray, would you just join hands with the person next to you? And if we can somehow get people to link across the aisles where it's possible, I know there might be some gaps where it's too far unless you're like a What's the stretchy guy in the... Yeah. <laughs> but I want everybody to connect with somebody today. And, and, and I want to... I want you to even just look at the people around you and, and say, you know what? The, you, you, we're family. This is my family. We might be brothers and sisters from another mother. It doesn't matter. 
but we're family today. And I believe God wants to knit us together as family. He wants us to join together. And so, Father God, just today as, we, as we're coming to the close of this service, Father God, Jesus, I, I'm believing, Father, for your desire for us is to, to, to connect with other people in, a, in new ways, Father God. Lord, that you want to take us up to another level in how we see each other. And Lord, that we would look for each other and when somebody's not here, we would be the ones who would reach out to them and say, what's going on? How are you doing? Not in a sense of judgment or, hey, you missed a church again today, but no, like what's going on? Can I pray for you? Can I encourage you? And Lord, would you take us to a, a new place? Lord, where we could grow to the place where we have people that we actually say, here's the things that I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm studying in the Bible, and we can share those thoughts with each other to the place where we even get to where it's like, hey, as my, as my friend, as my brother, as my sister, if you see anything inside of me would you, that isn't pleasing to God, would you, maybe I can't see it, would you, would you show me, would you speak to me? And so God, I pray that you would just join us together. You'd join us together, God, that you would, you would bring us together as a, as a people. And Lord, that we wouldn't just be a gathering, but Lord, we would truly grow to be a family, a family, a living family, breathing family where people can come and experience you in a powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Let's thank God today that we are family.